Rising Church. We love God's Word. Welcome to today's message. So he calls you either a planting or a building. So God is very specific with his choice of words. And so he says a believer is a planting, a believer is a building. Because understanding how a planting works or a plant works and understanding how a a building works or how it's structured helps you or informs you, gives you insight as to how you should build your life. So he calls you a planting, he calls you a building. Praise the name of the Lord. He calls you a planting. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 9, he says, we are laborers together with God. He says, you are God's planting. You are God's husbandry. And then he says, you are God's building. It's important that you understand that when you see a plant, you are seeing a typology of who you are. When you see a building, a structure, you are seeing a typology of who you are. You are God's husbandry. He says, you are God's planting. And that's not the only place he mentioned it. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalms chapter 1 also begins to talk about how that Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a what? A tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. None of his leaves shall wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse 4 says, the ungodly are not so. They are like chaff driven by the wind. We are not like the ungodly. We are planted and we are structured. We are planted. That's why we are God's husbandry and God's building. So when you see the way a building is structured, a building that will last, it should inform you as to what you should be doing in your life to last. And if you're going to be building anything, it had better be according to the pattern of how a building that should last is structured. And if you're going to last, you should also be checking how the root system of a plant is structured. Praise the name of the Lord. There's another place in Isaiah chapter 61 that talks about how that you're planting. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, verse 1. For he has anointed me to preach glad tidings to the meek. He has sent me to what? To bind up the brokenhearted. He says, to proclaim liberty to the captives. To open the prison doors to them that are bound. To declare the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. He says, to comfort them that mourn. To comfort them that mourn in Zion. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? So that they can be what? The trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. The trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. So that God can be glorified. There is only so much glory God can get out of your life if you are not planted. There is only so much glory. He can't get as enough. He can't get as much glory from your life if your life is not planted. And so there is a challenge with a generation that likes to hop around. They, are not, they don't want to be planted. There is only so much lasting you can last if you are not planted somewhere. He says you must be a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. None of your leaves should wither and whatsoever you do should prosper. First Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 3 also verse 19. He says, know ye not that what? You are the temple of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord dwells in you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. It says in whom you are built together. You see your life is a building. Your life is a structure. Your life is a planting. He says you are built together a habitation of God through the spirit. So God is building you. Can you say to yourself God is building me? Can you say to yourself again God is planting me? Oh praise the name of the Lord. He says in whom you Ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And 
by the time you check out these realities, the root system and the foundation of a house are they the most attractive dimensions to those things? Do you want to celebrate your girlfriend now and then you go pluck a root and say, I love you so much? And then sand is dripping all over. I just love you. Can you smell this thing? Just smell it. <laughs> and then you carry the root of a plant and you give it to your girlfriend to admire. Is that what she wants to see? Is that what she wants to smell? Or you get into a structure and then you, you are just admiring the foundation. Ah, foundation is that nice one. See, this foundation is so superb. Ah, 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 did you come up with this foundation? Nobody talks like that. Everybody admires the aesthetics, the architectural design, the interiors, the paintings. That's what we look at. We look at the flowers. We look at the, the fruits of a plant. But guess what? None of those things will ever be standing or be produced if the root and the foundations are not in place. And so a wise man will pay attention to those things that may not necessarily be attractive or admirable but those things that will stand the test of time. Because if the root is still there, more flowers will come. If the root is still there, more fruit will come. If the foundation is strong, I can refurbish anything. I can change the structure as long as the foundation is there. If I need to change the foundation, I have to remove the building. I can't upgrade foundation. I can't. And that's what the Bible says in Psalms 11. It says, if the foundation is destroyed, even a man of good intentions has no options. A man of good intention. Oh, and I wanted to. If your foundation is destroyed, there's nothing you can do. A righteous man is without options. So it's important we pay attention to the foundation and the root of everything and anything for us to be able to stand the test of time. So how does God intend to build anything? He deploys an eternal ordinance called wisdom. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3. The Bible says, for by wisdom a house is built. Praise God. It says, by wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it's established. And through knowledge, its interior chambers are filled with pleasant and precious riches. By wisdom, a house is built. Woo! There is something about wisdom. Oh, there is something about wisdom. Psalm Proverbs 3 verse 9 also talks about how that by wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. So there is, there is nothing God began that he didn't need wisdom to engineer. It's nothing he says the earth that you see today is still standing and lasting for several thousands of years because it was wisdom that is at the precipitate of that building called the earth he says it was by wisdom that the earth was founded how do you know to found is wrong to find to found something has to talk that's has to do with foundation the beginning of a thing how you cooked it and so if you check out your life your ministry your career is wisdom at the very base of it if wisdom is at the base of it then you can be sure of its longevity because the bible says in luke 7 35 it says wisdom is justified by its children so how we know something was not a wise decision is by the brevity of its longevity so if it is not long enough then there was no wisdom at the beginning the reason why the earth is still standing is because at the foundation of the earth wisdom was deployed so if wisdom is not deployed in anything you're about to start or engineer, guess what? It will not last. So Kenneth Hagin of blessed memory, when he was in his late 20s and 30s, he had some of his mates who were packing out stadiums, were doing meetings of 5,000 people coming together. And at some point, he was beginning to get discouraged. And I'm like, why is it looking like I can't do the same thing? This same Kenneth Hagin, at some point, he was just a little pastor, a little teacher in a local assembly doing his thing. But the Holy Spirit encourages us and said, guess what? By the time all these guys are gone and forgotten, you will still be there standing strong. 70 years he spent doing ministry because at the base of his ministry was wisdom. Don't be in a hurry to jump out there. Don't be in a hurry. 
get wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7. He says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get it. In all your getting, get understanding. Because if it takes me 10 years to get wisdom and I spent 70 years establishing something, it is better than I jump out in the first year and I only last two years. It's better. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. And guess what? There's something about wisdom. You don't get it by reading books. You don't get it by reading books. It says James chapter 1. It says, you see, if you lack wisdom, don't read. If you lack wisdom, don't think. If you lack wisdom, ask. Because wisdom is one of the most ancient things you will ever deal with. It's ancient. If any man lacks wisdom, don't go and be reading. You can get knowledge by reading. You can't get wisdom by reading. You ask from the owner of wisdom. Only him can give wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask. You see, asking is acknowledging his ancient You have to acknowledge that. See, this is the ancient of days. He's the God of all wisdom. And Bible says in Proverbs 8, talking about how that wisdom dwelt with God in the beginning. God has the prerogative of wisdom. If he gives it to you, he gives it to you. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Have you noticed that it is people? You see, the knowledge of people and their wisdom sometimes is inversely proportional. Sometimes the more people know, the, the more deficient they get in wisdom. So the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1 that what a fool will say in his heart, there is no God. Guess what? Go and ask many of those fools. They are one of the most intellectual people you will ever see. They can talk you out of your faith. Oh, they are so cerebral. They know the reasons why things are the way they are. They are scientific in their thinking, analytical, logical. They can explain anything away. But guess what? In God's analysis and evaluation of their lives, they are fools. Only a fool will say in his heart, there is no God. So sometimes, you see, wisdom and knowledge are not exactly the same thing. And if you notice in Proverbs 24, also you begin to see that it says, by wisdom a house is built, by understanding it's established, and through knowledge its interiors are filled with precious and pleasant riches. That is, knowledge is upgradable. If I go into a house today and all I see is the couch and the paintings, by next year it may have changed. More stuff could have been bought. I can change the TV. I can change the couch. I can upgrade the knowledge. The same knowledge that Jesus used to do ministry 2,000 years ago. It's not the same knowledge I need to do ministry today. But the wisdom is ancient. I can't upgrade wisdom. So it says by wisdom a house is built. But knowledge helps you to make the house contemporary. But you can't contemporarize wisdom. There's any word like that. You can't. You can't upgrade wisdom. It's an ancient thing. It's ancient. And so if you don't have it, you can't seek from anybody. You have to ask from God. The owner of all wisdom. So if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask from God. Who gives unto all men liberally without upbraiding. Because he understands your deficiency in getting it any other way. So he says, he will never chide you. He won't, he won't upbraid you. He won't, he won't rebuke you. So why are you asking me for wisdom? He said, come, you have acknowledged that I'm the owner of wisdom. Ah, come, I will give you without chiding you. I will give you without upbraiding. But he says, let him ask in faith. Let him understand that I'm the only source of wisdom. No other person can give you wisdom like I will. I'm the only source of wisdom. He says, without upbraiding. He says, for he will give him. But he says, let that man ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed. He says, let that, not that man think that he can receive anything from God. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we learning something this morning? So how you build anything is by seeking the wisdom of that thing. 
if anything will last, it must be founded on wisdom. Because how God builds is that he consults with wisdom. So it was wisdom that was telling God the first thing to do, the next thing to do, and then the next thing to do. So you want to start a family, you want to start a church, you want to start a career, you want to start a business. You are not asking the ancient of days how our business is sorted out, how our business is founded. There are only a few businesses in Nigeria that have lasted further than the founder. The founder founded a business 40 years down the line. He manages with his own life. And afterwards, you can't hear anything out of it. Why? Because a lot of, a, a lot of sentimentality, or what's the word now? It's a lot of sentiments and emotions is applied to get things done. And such things cannot last. And that's why we find that repetition in, a lot in Nigeria. People find a business or they found a business, they start a business. And 40 years down the line, it's not standing again. Because you see, that thing, at the base of it, there was no wisdom there. There was no wisdom there. The men who founded America were people who consulted with the word, wisdom, to get to find it, or to found it, rather. And that is why the, that, that institution, that nation, is still what it is today. They are still surviving from the, from the debris of the wisdom, even though a lot of that wisdom has been eroded. But the, you see, the, the foundation of that thing is still standing somehow. Somehow, wisdom is very fundamental. Wisdom is the principal thing. The Bible says, therefore, get wisdom. And in all thy gettings, are we still together? In all thy gettings, so what is wisdom exactly? How do you get this wisdom? What's this wisdom about? Is this wisdom your ability to be, you know, to, to speak? Is that wisdom? Because you, see, you can have knowledge and speak and everybody's bamboozled, but you're, you're not wise. Is wisdom in your ability to speak or just get people mesmerized? No. He says something very important about wisdom. He says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, right? He says the beginning of wisdom. When you begin on the journey of wisdom, the first thing the Lord would have to teach you is the fear of God. He says the fear of God is the beginning. <laughs> Of wisdom. I thought knowledge and you know insights and witty inventions were the beginning. No, it's the fear of God. How can you say the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom? Oh well, it is. So, what is the fear of God? The fear of God is putting priority on God's word. Write it down. The fear of God is putting priority on God's word, not putting priority on God's presence, but putting priority on God's word. Nobody can see the presence of God and not fear. You see, when you see God's presence and you are, you are scared, you are not fearing God. You are fearing death. That's why you are scared when you see the presence of God because His presence breaks the seed out of Lebanon. His presence, when the, the seed saw it, it fled. When Jordan saw it, it was driven aback, the presence of God. Even God said, no man sees me and leaves. So, if you put priority on God's presence, you are more scared of death than you are of Him. To fear God is to honor and put priority on his word. That same Bible you slap around, you put up behind your pillow and you abuse. That's abuse of scriptures. You put it behind. What, what is it doing there exactly? It's to safeguard the demon. See, guess what? If I were a demon, I would carry the Bible and use it to slap you if I want to torment you. Because you see, there is nothing in that book on your heart. That is the fear of Putting priority on God's word is the fear of God. Putting honor, premium, honor, priority on God's word. When you don't see him and you still do what he says to do, that is the fear of God. 
Not when you see his presence and he's saying, do it. Why won't you? Even the devil cannot say no. So, does it mean the devil has the fear of God? The demons know about him and they are scared. Not because they fear him in terms of honor and reverential fear. But because they have no other choice. You want to die? Why won't you fear God? But the fear of God in the context as it is the beginning of wisdom is the placing of priority on God's word. What he says. And there is nothing forceful about what he says. But you placing that priority on it is what makes it the fear of God. He says it is the beginning of wisdom. Placing premium, priority, honor, virtue on God's word. Whatever he says to do, you do it without questions. That is the, that is the fear of God. When your boss's wife says, let's do this thing and just forget about it. Let's deal with this. Nobody will know. I say, no, how can I do this thing and sin against God? His presence was not there to threaten Joseph. God's presence was not there to say, don't do it if I, if you, if I catch you. No, the word of God became his instructor. He placed priority on God's word. Priority on God's word. Guess what? In the final analysis of everything, only God's word will stand. Only God's word. The Bible says all flesh is as grass. And the glory of all men is like the flower of the field that faded away. But it says not a jot of God's word will go unaccomplished, unfulfilled. So guess what? If I want anything to last, I will just inculcate the word there. Chook the word there. Because that is the sustenance of everything. If, the, if nothing, you see, if God's word is not at the base of anything, that thing cannot last. Hebrews chapter 1. The Bible says it's the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person. Upholding all things by the word. Woo! That is nothing is standing apart from God's word. Anything you see standing is because God's word is at the very base of it. Nothing can stand apart from his word. The Bible says he's before all things and by him all things consist. If you separate him from anything, that those things cease to consist. They will depart from each other. They will disintegrate because God's word is the very connecting factor of all things. Alright? He says it is by that word all things are held together. Woo! Praise the name of the Lord. You know when Job was still confused, he said God hung the earth in space. But then he came to learn in Hebrews that it was not space that was holding the earth. It was the word. He said the Lord flung the earth in space. I like the, the, the graphic image of that. After making the earth, he just stripped and the thing stayed. <laughs> Praise God. He flung the earth and the thing just stayed. But you see, he didn't just stay. He told it to stay. So when the rivers are going beyond their boundaries, he said, no, don't go beyond this. It is the word that controls everything. Every dimension of life is controlled by the word. To the degree that you have the word of God in your spirit, it's to the degree that you last. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. The fear of God, putting priority on God's word, is the lasting factor. It's the enduring factor. It's not anything. It's not the philosophies of men. It's not the bamboozlement that anybody can bamboozle you that can that can just get you excited. It is not my personal speaking. It is God's word in your spirit. Oh, being born again. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed of God's word that lives and abides forever. It is called the incorruptible seed. You can't corrupt it. 
to the degree that you allow that word in, incubate in your spirit is to that degree you become incorruptible it is to that same degree the word of God is incorruptible so when I mix with the word to such a degree you can't separate me from the word it is to that degree I'm incorruptible as well I am as incorruptible as my mixture with the word since this word didn't do them good because they didn't mix it with faith their heart didn't join with the word the word didn't join in their heart so it couldn't profit them but when you allow God's word dwelling you richly in all wisdom praise God let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom because that's the height of wisdom wisdom is not subject to upgrade it's ancient God's word does not go through version 2.0 version 3.0 it's the same forever that's wisdom not knowledge knowledge you upgrade you keep checking it out the way our fathers did ministry is not the same way we should do ministry but the same wisdom they employed is what we must employ the wisdom of the word so ask yourself in every area of your life how have you mixed wisdom how have you built with wisdom how have you allowed the peer pressures around you to influence your decision making it is to that degree that that thing you are building will not last but when you say you know what it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks what does God's word say putting priority on that word is the fear of God he says that fear of God is the beginning oh boy so and I like the fact that there was no continuation of wisdom right he didn't say after the fear of God then you get something else see when you have that one the class continues the class just continues from there because that's the beginning at least you know you are now in that space called wisdom what happens after is now subject to the prerogative of the teacher the wisdom himself do you see how the holy spirit personified wisdom is in proverbs chapter 8 he said i rejoice oh he, he begins to use some some personification let's just read it again and just get some excitement from that verse of scripture you see when you see david saying i rejoice at your word you are wondering is he crazy you don't understand they will give david one billion dollars they will place god's word beside it he will choose god's word how many of us can can trust ourselves with that option they place one billion dollars in front of you and say choose one one billion dollars god's word one billion dollars 365 billion naira look at the capacity of that look at the kappa of that word look at the capacity of that money that i'm projecting right now 365 billion naira I say God's word. God's word. What's God's word? You begin to ask yourself, what's the meaning of God's word? What? <laughs> you, will, you will just forget the meaning immediately because now you are faced with one billion dollars. Who is God's word? What's the meaning? Give me one billion dollars. But guess what? He says it is better to choose God's word than to choose precious riches. It's better. He said it is it is it is it is more precious than rubies solomon in all of his glory it was the lack of god's word that signaled his death and his demise and his importance and relevance in the scheme of things it was lack of putting priority on god's word as rich as he was as rich as he was and so when the foundation is not solid guess what the growth of that thing will be its own undoing 
Ah, you didn't get that. So if my foundation cannot accommodate more than one story building and I want to grow to five story building, it is my desire to get into five story building that will eventually collapse that building. So the growth of anything that does not have the capacity to sustain it is its own undoing. So guess what? God will rather cook you first. Make sure that your foundation can take 10 billion story buildings so that it doesn't have to worry how far you go in life. Not that he puts two, two story worth of foundation and then you get to two and you desire three, you desire four and then he says, oh, sorry, we have to go back because you can't put it on top of it. You can't, it will collapse. So he goes back to the foundation to make sure that it is corrected. A righteous man cannot do anything if the foundation is destroyed. Can't. He can't. It's important that we understand this. Any nation that does not prioritize God's word will not last. Simple. He says what? How are nations lifted? How? The righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. That's how it's done. Anything that will last for if they deploy the principles and the wisdom of the ancient, they will last. It's that simple. Because it is putting priority on God's word and his principles that make for a lasting dynasty, an enduring house. So he says, uh, one billion dollars. God's word. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no decision in this one. No. There's no hard, there's nothing hard here. <laughs> I'll choose one billion, right? But not David. No, not David. Do you know what, what Abigail said about David? So, it is possible for very pretty, godly women to marry foolish men. It's possible. So please, don't be, don't be unwise. And the same thing goes to the men. If you're a smart man, you're a wise man, don't marry a foolish woman. And you won't see folly on their face. You won't see it. You won't see it in their curves. You won't see it in their hips, their lips, and their fingertips. Hey, man. You won't see it in those places. Check their hearts. Do they fear God? Do they put priority on God's word? That is what determines whether this person is a good investment or an MMM. <laughs> this marriage, is it, is, it, is it good investment or MMM? Will it collapse after nine months? It is to the degree that, that your partner fears God. It is to that degree that it becomes an enduring home, an enduring family, an enduring house. Alright? So, not David. Not David. So, Abigail. So, what happened was, David usually kept the flock of Nabal, right? When his people are in the, you know, in the bush, in the wilderness, and David was the chairman. All the witness, wildernesses around, they knew that, see, whenever David is around, we are now subject to his authority. He was the God of the wilderness. So anybody who was not willing to subject to him cannot last in the wilderness. So of course, Nabal's guys were doing stuff, you know, and then David just said, eh, let me help these guys. Let me just help keep their sheep and make sure nothing gets missing and stolen and all of that. And so he didn't ask for anything in return. He just did all of that in goodwill. And then there came a time he was hungry. His men were hungry and he wanted food. And he knew that this neighbor guy had a lot of provision. And so he sent some of his guys and said, go and ask from this guy. I've, I've been doing a lot of good to him. I've given him enough credit. Let me withdraw some. And it went to neighbor. And he said, oh God, oh God, David, he keeps your guys. They first did a proper introduction, proposal. They, adjust, they packaged it properly. 
And you know what Nabal said? Ah. Said there are many servants who stray away from their masters. Ah. Referring to David. That David is a vagabond. Jeez. And those ones self came back. They didn't even adjust it. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't edit it to... Ah, they not gave you know when people are reporting cases, they always exaggerate. I'm sure they have added some adjasa. He said your head is more too big, self. They said yeah, he slept. They gave David the toxic version. <laughs> David was upset. He said, "I'm coming to have his head." He said, "You know what David said? He said if by tomorrow morning anybody is there pissing against the wall, it's not me. I will make sure there's no human being in his entire household that is still pissing against the wall." Why does the Bible use that phrase? I, I don't know. He said. <laughs> By tomorrow morning, nobody will be pissing against the wall. Uh, why? <laughs> the Bible is just a very... <laughs> he said no human being will be left in his household pissing against the wall. So it's not today that people have been pissing. <laughs> Praise God. It's not today. It's been a long time. Praise God. And then a woman, a wise woman, heard about this gist. So she, she went ahead. She didn't tell her husband. God, she had told her husband. The husband would have called his bluff. Hey, leave him alone. Oh, 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 who is he? Abigail knew. She had seen the handwriting. She saw his trajectory. She had seen how long he had spent in the wilderness. She had seen how, how much God is packing wisdom into his heart. How he's learning in the wilderness and getting processed. So she went to him and said, Oh God, see, don't act foolishly. You're a wise man. He says, because God is building for you an enduring house. Said God is making into making you into an enduring house. That is, when Jesus eventually comes, he cannot be dissociated from your name, sir. You will have an enduring house. Even in heaven, there will be a key called the keys of David. Oh, God is creating a dynasty with you. If you act foolishly, you may threaten that dynasty. And David looked at that woman and said, What? Wisdom. I said, Don't worry. Neighbor will soon die, anyways. I'll come for you. I like you. <laughs> I'll come for you. Mark Besselier, praise God. You know the way the kings in the Yoruba land do these things. Praise the Lord. And that's where that word enduring house came from. He created an enduring because David was a man of wisdom. So he said, I rejoice at your word as one who's found great spoil. Do you know what it means to find great spoil? Do you know how excited you are as a soldier to find great spoil? You scream your lungs out. You will lose your voice because you just found something of great treasure. Bible says the same way I rejoice at a great spoil, much more I rejoice at your word. It is putting priority on that word that makes for wisdom. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We'll stop here today. But let's wrap up with Matthew chapter 7 from verse 24 to verse 27 which is where the series will really begin. So what I just did this morning some sort of synopsis, an introduction, summary to just give you an idea of what we're about to get into. Because guess what? No matter how well-founded your structure is, three things are coming for you. Oh yeah, three things are coming. And those things are no respecter of persons, stature, pedigree, age. They're no respecter. The wind will come, the flood will come, and the rain will come. What are these three things? What are they meant to do in your life? What do they come for? How are they positioned? How does God expect you to respond to them? Because they won't act on you uh, any less than they will act on another person. It's the same thing they will do to everybody in life. How you respond to them is what determines how far your structure will go. Have you been blessed this morning? Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house 
upon a rock. Then the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a foolish man which built out his house on a sand. And the rain descended the exact same thing. The rain, the floods and the winds. And beat upon that same house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings. The people were astonished at his doctrine. Let's rise to our feet this morning and just receive God's word in your heart. And say, Lord, give me wisdom. One prayer point. Give me wisdom. I don't have it, sir. I don't have it. I cannot read it up. I cannot think it up. He, let him that lacks wisdom, not let him think. Not let him read. Let him ask. Because only God can distribute wisdom. So ask him this morning. Ask him this morning. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. Say, Lord, I need wisdom for my life. I need wisdom for my business. I need wisdom for my family. I need wisdom for my career. I need wisdom for my nation. I need wisdom for the leaders. I need wisdom for them. Oh, I need wisdom. For more online messages, check us out at www.soundcloud.com forward slash TV.